Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern-day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Welcome to part two of our dive into secret societies in Star Wars. On the first episode last week, we discussed the Jedi and the Sith, which are the most well-known of all societies, and then we dove into lesser-known ones like the Architects of Vale, the Order of the Sacred Circle, and the simply named Dark Side Cult, helmed by none other than Darth Millennial, which is the worst Darth name of all time by far. By far. By far. The first society we'll talk about here on this episode was featured in a minor Star Wars game called Uprising a few years ago. This society sought to create political upheaval by working as bounty hunters and assassinating key government officials. The name of this cult was called the Kohun. The Kohun prided themselves on their killing, and they seemed to enjoy it. Unlike bounty hunters who carry out killings as just a way of life to collect a paycheck, the Kohun had a definite passion and a bloodthirst for it. Now, what made this society different from others we've discussed previously is that they held a specific ritual initiations for their new members. Their initiation process consisted of three tests, the test of meat, the test of steel, and the test of spirit. Now, right before these new initiates started their trials, they were given a toxic substance to drink, which would cause them agony and make their journey through the trials quite difficult. Think about the final duel in the movie Gladiator, where the hero is stabbed in the side before his duel, since his opponent knew that he couldn't face him at full strength. 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 So the first test was the oddly named Test of Meat, in which they had to face off against various monsters. In the second test, the Test of Steel, they had to face off against battle droids. And in the third test, the test of spirit, they physically had to carry out a murder against an assigned target. Those that survived were given an antidote for the poison they received and were welcomed into the group. The group took their name from a creature also called the Kohun, which was, interestingly enough, a poisonous creature. It had the look akin to a centipede or millipede in our world. You've seen this before if you've watched episode 2, Attack of the Clones, this is the creature that attempted to kill Padme in her sleep during an assassination attempt. Now the next secret society we'll be discussing is called the Krath. The Krath were a Sith-like cult founded by young nobles Satal and Alima thousands of years before the events of the original Star Wars movie. They had somehow unlocked the ability to communicate 
with a deceased Sith Lord named Frieda Nad, and he started leading them down the dark path. The name Krath came about when the nobles recalled a fairy tale from their youth about a magician slash god named Krath, which is what they sought to become themselves. As their influence grew, they constructed many temples that resonated with dark side energy. And the guards that worked there were given special armor that both caused them to repel elemental force attacks and also helped to further radicalize them to the Krath cause. The Krath used loose interpretations of the Sith teachings in concert with the teachings of the spirit of Freedon Mad. So they were a bit different from most Sith cults in that respect. They didn't have an established hierarchy. They were also very heavily interested in Sith artifacts and weaponry, as those tools helped them to gain a stronger dark side presence as a complement to their loose Sith teachings. Now let's talk about the Morgukai. The Morgukai had a few of the hallmarks of secret societies in our world. For one, they were very mysterious, and they did not talk about the worship or practices involved with their cult to any outsiders. And for two, it was basically a crime for anyone to attempt to leave this brotherhood. And for three, they did not regard matters in terms of ethicality. If something needed to be done, they did it. They didn't choose sides, whether it be Sith or Jedi. They attacked both of them interchangeably as the need arose. Rose, rose, rose. The Morgukai were skilled assassins of the Nikto species. They had very ritualistic combat techniques, which they used to great success against Force users, specifically the Jedi, but the Sith as well. And similarly to the Jedi, the Morgukai seemed to follow a master-apprentice type relationship amongst their own. They definitely didn't follow the Sith-master-apprentice relationship where the master would kill the student or the apprentice would kill the master. Now, not much is really known about this group as they were one of the most secretive, so it's really hard to say what their motivations were or why they killed in such an indiscriminate manner. By the time the Empire rose to power, this group was largely extinct. However, they were still deemed a dangerous and powerful criminal organization to the Empire, as even Palpatine knew of the danger the group posed. posed. And the final group we're going to talk about today is called the Heimsnake Cult. Here's a quote from Palpatine about this cult. I have heard of the mark of the headless snake. It's the symbol of an ancient cult, dead for eons, said to possess a powerful dark magic. End quote. The Heimsnake Cult did use a symbol of a headless snake, which symbolized that they had no true leader, hence no head needed to survive. This cult believed that chaos was the ultimate destiny of the universe, and they were intent on wiping out both the Jedi and the Sith to plunge the universe into chaos. They held to an ancient prophecy that a black armored figure would come and lead their army on this journey. This figure would cut the heads off of two snakes, and these snakes would die, and then he would cut the head off a third, and this one would survive. 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 
By the time of the Empire, it was believed that this cult no longer existed. However, after they somehow attempted to assassinate Palpatine, Palpatine and the Empire knew that it was time to destroy this group once and for all. So he sent his trusted apprentice, Vader, to go take care of them. However, when Vader arrived, he was not viewed by the Hind Snake cult as an enemy, but as their savior. They believed he was the black armored figure of the prophecy. But Vader didn't care. He wiped them all out and ended the cult once and for all. He later came to find out that Palpatine manipulated the assassination attempt. And the confrontation with the cult was really just a test for Vader. One that he passed with flying colors. This holds a great parallel to if anybody listening watched the Sopranos series on HBO. Tony Soprano sent his nephew Christopher to kill this former police officer, saying that, Christopher, this was the man who killed your father. And Christopher noted to this guy before he killed him that he didn't know if that was correct or not, but he knew that he was supposed to do it. Interesting parallel there. Now, what's interesting about the, the Snake cult story is that this was from the old Star Wars Legends line of books, which is not considered canonically part of the overall story now by Disney. However, the story goes on to say that one thing that Vader took from this cult when he wiped them out was something called the Basis, a laser energy crystal-based thing that powered the group's ability to survive and thrive on the moon they were stationed. They were able to use it to grow crops and find out that it could also be used as a weapon. Well, as the legend goes, the Empire was able to harness this technology to modify and power the Death Star. The Death Star. The Death Star. The Death Star. Thanks for tuning into part two of our deep dive into Star Wars Secret Societies. I'll be back again with the final part three next Monday, which will discuss some Jedi secret society information that we missed previously, as well as looking at the Order of the Canted Circle, the One Sith Cult, the Order of Revan, and the mysterious Sith Eternal, which were popularized in the last film of the sequel trilogy, The Rise of Skywalker. Stay tuned this week for a great episode with an interview guest coming out on Friday, and a rebroadcast of an interview I did on another podcast, which will be coming out on the feed Wednesday. May the Force be with you, and God bless.